Good morning and welcome here. We invite you to sing with us as we start our morning together. Thank you. 
Good morning and welcome to MacIver Church. Oh, that was nice and loud. My name is Stefan and I am one of the pastors that serves here. Welcome to one of MacIver's very special services, which happens only a couple times a year. We call this a partnership service. We're also wrapping up our series on forgiveness at the same time. So if you are new or visiting here this morning, know that you are very welcome. As a partnership service, this morning's uh, worship will be a tad longer. We'll be including some elements of our church business, hearing about our finances, reports from our leadership, and we'll also have opportunity to share uh, testimonies with each other. We'll break bread together, both in communion and in a meal in the gym that follows the service. In essence, our partnership services are a celebration of the full and the multifaceted life of our church and a reminder of our unity in Christ. So, as such, you are all very welcome indeed. Let's stand and welcome one another as well. That is a joyful noise indeed. When we think about forgiveness, it often seems like an impossible task. How are we supposed to look past the wrongs that others do to us when they can cut so deep? How could another possibly forgive me for the things that I cannot take back? It is not by our own power that we forgive, but by the grace and the power of God. Hear then this morning's call to worship and of what God is capable of, taken from Psalm 114. When Israel came out of Egypt, when the house of Jacob came out from a people who spoke different languages, Judah was God's sanctuary, Israel was God's territory. The sea saw it happen and ran away. The Jordan River retreated. The mountains leapt away like rams. The hills bounded away like lambs. Sea, why did you run away? Jordan, why did you retreat? Mountains, why did you leap away like rams? Hills, why did you bound away like lambs? O earth, Tremble before the Lord. Tremble before the God of Jacob, the one who turned that rock into a pool of water, that flint stone into a fresh spring. I invite you to stand as we worship together, and I invite the kids forward to help us lead with the instruments on this pew up here. Let's worship God together.
pre-K, you're all dismissed to the supervised playtime area back there. Be sure to bring a parent or a guardian to check you in. Good morning and welcome to you all. My name is Ed Redekop and I was voted on to council recently. Thank you for your confidence in me. It's an honor and a privilege to serve this church, which I love. Today's uh, partnership service meeting is an exciting part of our year. Uh, we'll include several impact reports from different committees. But before we begin, we need a little bit of uh, business done, which is to vote the minutes of last year's meeting. Has everybody seen those minutes? Does anybody need a copy? The ushers will bring you a copy if you raise your hand. Okay, everybody's alaboon. A copy, please. They're very short minutes. They, uh, there's not much on them, but it's important that we approve those minutes. Can I have a motion to approve the minutes from someone? Henry Reimer. Do I have a seconder? Second? Okay. Justin Coop. Okay, so any, any questions or discussion on last year's minutes before we vote? If not, all in favor, raise your hands. Opposed, raise your hands. Carried unanimously, thank you very much. So now the reports will flow and end with the finance report, which we will then vote on after it's presented. Thank you very much. Hi, my name is Megan Giesbrick, and I'm speaking on behalf of the discernment team, which also includes Tamir Weeb and Cindy Regeer. Last fall, the church participated in a process of prayerful nomination, which led to the affirmation of three new council members. We would like to continue this process of prayerful nomination throughout the year, and we encourage the congregation to keep praying for council and participating in the nomination and affirmation of council members. If you feel the call to nominate someone for council, you're always free to let any member of the discernment team know. Today, we would like to update the congregation on some proposed changes to council. Since our last partnership service in the fall, council has discussed and voted on the following reorganization of the ex executive. Ron Dick will be serving as moderator, Siggy Gunther as assistant moderator, and Ed Redekop as secretary. Additionally, Garvin Taylor has been appointed the council liaison for the discernment team. We will be providing an opportunity for the church to affirm this complement of executive in an upcoming service. Thank you. Hi, my name is Siki Gunther and I'm on council. Um, our newest members uh, to church council are a real welcome addition. Um, I also reiterate what Ed said, it is a privilege to serve on council and to work together with such a dedicated team. Uh, further to the announcement regarding exec, uh, Ron and I have committed to serving as moderator and assistant moderator for the coming year, uh, and Ed Redekup, as you've heard, has signed on to let his name stand for secretary. Um, it is important to continue seeking new council members, um, as there are always retirements in the future, and as I said, it's, it's a really great team to work with. Um, as the exec team, Ron, Ed, and myself will share the tasks. Uh, and our council members are willing to accept tasks and projects as needed to help us out. 
um, two initiatives that council has been working on. Uh, we had a retreat on Saturday, a Saturday morning in January with a brainstorming session on determining practices of membership here at MacIver Church. Our discussion points were given to the membership process team as a point of reference. This team will lead us, the congregation, in further discussion in the gym during lunch. Uh, currently, Council, together with the Human Resources Committee, is reviewing the pastoral job descriptions to clarify roles and team structure. And just as a reminder in closing, uh, Pastor Denver and his family are going on sabbatical from April 20th to August 16th. We trust that this will be a time of rest and rejuvenation. Thank you. I am Theo Dick. I am speaking on behalf of the membership project team that uh, Siggy mentioned. Our uh, members are Cheryl Clawson, Irene Newfelt, Pastor Denver Wilson, and myself. Our team has been uh, uh, put together with uh, church council, uh, or by church council rather, to create and uh, help to run a process of engaging council and staff and the congregation of McIver Church. Uh, our mission is to clarify the language and the practices of church membership here. We are an advisory group. We do not have uh, the power to change how our church handles church membership in any way. But we do meet regularly to discuss things that we've researched, things we've prayed and listened to God over, things we've heard from the congregation. And then we bring uh, what we've discussed to church council and to you, the congregation, for further discussion, uh, engagement, discernment. If you have questions, comments, concerns, grievances, ideas, questions about church membership, each one of us on the team are willing to speak to you or read your letters or your emails and uh, generally to hear what you have to say to uh, make sure that our conversations are well informed. As part of today's partnership service, as uh, Siggy mentioned, uh, the membership process team is going to be leading a discussion. There are two proposals that uh, the team has put together that each attempt to describe what it means or what it should mean to be a member of this church. We will be having more discussions like this on the last Sundays of the next two months. On March 29, we will hold a discussion during the exchange hour after the service in the overflow over there to discuss a, uh, a draft update to our church's uh, church, uh, church covenant. You can pick up a copy of the, uh, of the draft revised version at the Connect Center in the outer foyer after the service. And then on April 26th, we'll host another discussion, again after the service, in the overflow, where we discuss um, how we, how, uh, when we look at our description of membership and our church covenant, how these things can work as pathways for members and as non-members. And also talking about something called a centered set understanding of things like membership, belonging, and Christian faith. We look forward to working with you all and hearing from you all at these events and anytime any one of you might want to get in touch with any one of us. Me again, Stefan. I am the pastor of worship and family ministries, which is a broad category, which means that there is much work that is being done and still much that does need to be done. Uh, by way of celebrating things that are being done, I want to say that... Uh, Worship volunteers include music, audio, visual, um, visual both in a technological sense and in a decorative sense. Um, ooh, who else am I missing? Communion teams. All these people are very flexible. They've been very gracious and they serve in so many different ways and provide our church the ways that we uh, celebrate God together. Uh, so thank you all for your flexibility, ability to fill in for each other. 
Um, there's been some tech upgrades that I've overseen this year. You'll notice that now on our screens in the foyer, you can see different news things, the time, stuff about our series. That's also a way to provide the church some more multimedia options as it hosts rentals and different kinds of groups, especially breakout groups during Finder's Feast. Um, we've also purchased some new hearing impaired aids because we were having some trouble with our old units. So uh, thank you, Chuck Isaac, for finding those. We now have a nice new set of those. We'd really love to have some more people serving with our video services during uh, church and for funerals, and also our holy days. These would be Christmas Eve, Christmas, Easter, Pentecost, things like that. It'd be lovely to have a small group of people who meet with me, maybe once or twice on the year, to sort of organize and facilitate these special services, because there's a lot that goes into those services, like our candlelight service or Christmas Eve service or the family service at Christmas. As far as family ministries go, the theme continues. There is much work to be done, and there is uh, much work that is being done. We have a lovely number of very dedicated volunteers who serve with our children, ages 1 to 17 and a half. Um, and I'm very grateful, and I think we're all very grateful for how they give up their time. But we really do need more people serving, both in Sunday school and at Finder's Feast. This year at Finder's Feast, we've mo I've modified some of the ways that the kids' ministry functions, both in providing some more structure for the kids, having small group sharing, and some Bible stories. Uh, and for the youth, we're studying the Sermon on the Mount and memorizing that. And I think you can ask the Ep kids to read you the uh, <laughs> Sermon on the Mount, and they'll be able to do that for you. At least the Beatitudes, they've memorized a good amount of that. And I really enjoy connecting with the youth uh, there. But we do need more folks if we want that to grow. Uh, it's a small team right now, and I encourage you, it's only a few evenings in a year, and the kids are awesome, and uh, the time that's there is always a blessing. Uh, on Sundays, the kids have been journeying through Bible stories in different ways, targeted to their age groups. Uh, this year, we've modified how the preschool curriculum is done, um, just to, to target that age group a bit better. Ages 2 to 4 is a, is a trickier age just to teach theological concepts to. And so we've modified that. Uh, and I've also been sitting in on those classes as much as I can of the different age groups to, to keep a pulse on the curriculum. And so there's been some changes and suggestions and dialogue with me and the teachers, and that has been a joy, which I continue to serve in that way. And all this sounds like a lot of work um, and a lot of different, oh, I have to volunteer here, there's time given here. But these are all expressions of, of God's value to us as we serve each other and as we uh, give of ourselves, in, in whether that's with music, whether that's with clicking through slides, whether that's through sitting with kids. All of these things are ways that we celebrate God. So if you have any questions about what I do, or if you have suggestions or comments, you know where to find me. I'm usually running around really quickly on a Sunday. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. My name is Denver Wilson. I'm the pastor of McIver Church. One thing we have been discovering is that there are so many ways that God is at work in the life of our church, and our storytelling, our sharing, is not usually caught up to all those ways that the Spirit is at work. And so it's good for us to do what we're doing right now, and to tell stories and to share these glimpses of the Holy Spirit at work among us. And so we're going to have opportunity, uh, we're doing that now from some of our core committees, but to hear from you uh, stories of where you've seen God at work in this past season. And we'll have some mics coming around to you, so you can already start thinking, what story could I share to encourage the whole family of God here this morning of how we see God at work? But I want to share a few things that I've been seeing recently. 
So starting by looking back, uh, we've heard from this membership process team, and this has just been um, really encouraging and healthy process for us to have this, this team established that's going to have some healthy conversations about church membership. Because if we think about it, church membership is the heart of who we are, what we're about as a community, as a church. So that's a very important conversation, and there's a lot to it. So we're not driving that too fast, but wanting to continue and move forward at a healthy pace. And so as Theo mentioned, that will continue again today. And it's just been a delight for me to correspond with this team and really with our whole church in this conversation. Uh, God is speaking as we speak and listen to each other. We hear God's voice. As well, I've really been seeing God at work on Wednesday evenings. Uh, We've heard already about Finder's Feast, but one of the groups at Finder's Feast this past semester is what we've called Wind Farm. And this is about discipleship. It's about being an apprentice after Jesus and inviting the Spirit's work in our lives more and more. And so we've had a group of about 12 to 15 people that have been gathering on Wednesday evenings to hear teaching from Paul and Arlene Craker. That's the guy with the backwards bike, if you remember him. And it's just been a very deep impact coming in that group. We're about halfway through the course right now, but anyone who wants to come check it out, you're welcome to come. But I would imagine there'll be some stories of real deep life impact coming from that experience of Wind Farm. Uh, And again, the big idea here is that we're trying to encourage people to get together in really small groups of maybe three or four people. They're what we call in MacIver wind groups. And they're basically just friends centered around Jesus. Does that sound like something people might be into? It's been a really encouraging thing for people to start sharing their stories with each other and start actually listening to how God is at work in each other's life and calling that out for each other. I'm in a wind group. I know of many others who have clustered in this way into wind groups. And we're continuing to see this as this, uh, this transformation of what we might think is the DNA of our body. If our church is a body, these groups are like the DNA of our body. So looking ahead, uh, this week we have an Ash Wednesday service. This is a little bit new for MacIver, but not entirely. So we're going to be gathering here at 7 o'clock this coming Wednesday, and we're going to be marking ourselves with the sign of the cross and entering into the season of Lent. Uh, We're wanting to do this more and more, to have uh, three worship evenings each year that mark out some liturgical seasons for us. So Ash Wednesday for Lent, Pentecost, and Advent, that we would gather as a community and enter into these seasons together. And so you'll be hearing more about that this morning, but I encourage you to check it out and to come on Wednesday night. We've got John and Ruth lined up to lead us in some hymns, and it's just going to be a powerful evening together. You've already heard about Soar X, and that is coming up on spring break. Our team has been coming together, a few people who are already committed and a few others who are looking into it. Uh, But we're going to be serving at 188 in downtown Winnipeg. And this is just an awesome opportunity to discover God at work in the core area of our city and to discover churches from across Manitoba gathering together in this way. So you'll see information in your bulletin, uh, updates, deadlines for that. Uh, You'll want to check that out. Um, And as has already been mentioned, uh, I'm preparing for my sabbatical, which is coming in just a couple months. And uh, I am very grateful for this gift from the church. 
And uh, again, this is something that is a gift for a larger purpose, for longevity in ministry. And so we're, uh, we're planning out what will be involved in that sabbatical. And if anyone has any suggestions, I would definitely welcome those. Uh, but during that time, uh, if you are interested in preaching, please come speak with me. If that's something that you've thought, hey, I might want to try that out one day. That thing that those people do up here on stage. If you're among the people who are interested in that, come speak with me. Uh, we're going to be doing a series called Here by the Water, looking at scenes of Jesus by the water in the summer. And if you say, hey, yeah, I might have something to say about that, please come speak with me. So now we want to share some of these stories, ways that we have seen God at work. So you've heard from these core committees presenting uh, different updates that we've seen, but together, all of our eyes, all of our experiences are taking in God at work. So who would like to get us started sharing an encouraging story, a way they've seen God at work in the life of our church? And know these stories are out there. Here we go. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Rodney. Uh, along with uh, John Gozen, we run a monthly men's breakfast. I was humbled a little in, <clears throat> sorry, in January because on a snowy, cold Saturday morning, I planned for 15 men to show up for breakfast. Well, we were taught the message of fishes and loaves because... 32 men showed up for breakfast. So God moves in very unique and wonderful ways in teaching his lessons. Yeah. We are gathered. God is still there at work. But I'm glad you had that experience that morning. Good morning. My name is Tamira Weeb, and I serve on the discernment committee. I just wanted to tell you as a church what that experience was like uh, last December or October in the fall when we were asking you for nominations and I would be sitting at the table there with one of my partners and people would come to me and would say, oh, but I don't want to do that. This person, I really like this person. I don't want to make them sit on council. And, and we would hear things like this. Oh, goodness, I'm never going to. No, no, I would never do that to anyone. And, and so we had the opportunity to say to them, listen, this isn't all about you just throwing someone at the wolves. This is, this is about you asking God what he would have you do. And so, you know, we were there for a few weeks running, and people would come back, and we would, you know, hear them say, you know what, I really do have a name. After that process was over, we got to compile the names, and there were a number of people who were nominated frequently. And it was beautiful. And each of those people had a positive response to being nominated. So I want to encourage you as a, as a congregation that you're not doing a bad thing. Um, on top of that, so then the nomination process went through and the selection process went through and we have three wonderful new members of our council, which is terrific. Well, then we received word that we still needed to choose a moderator. And we sat down, the three of us, and we just thought, well, how are we going to do that? We just went through this whole process. Do we go into the well again and try to dip, dip into the well again and try to get more nominations? So we were a little confused about that. And just as we were talking, Ron Dick starts walking past us. And I, I don't know. If any of you remember my dad, I have a little bit of him in, in me. And I just went like this. And I went. 
sit down. And Ron Dick, he came and he sat down and he started telling us what it was like to be on council and what, what kinds of things they talk about. And, and we started hashing out maybe a new plan. And so that plan that was um, presented came just out of that, out of us sitting there and going, what do we do, God? And then somebody walking past and us asking a question. I just wanted to encourage the congregation that this is wonderful, and this is just God just going, moving. His spirit is just great. And none of us is doing anything that we're particularly good at. We're just willing. And so that's just what I want to encourage you with. Thanks, Tamira. Sounds like there might be some crazy ideas out there about what we do at council. There's no hazing. There's nothing like that. We mostly do what we're doing right now. We pray. We share stories of how God is at work in the church. My name is Jake Schmidt. That's what my friends call me. I'm not telling what the other ones call me. Uh, since 2009, we've been doing visitation uh, mostly at Donwood and in other nursing homes and sometimes hospital calls, and shut-ins, people who can't make it to church because of health issues. Uh, I do an average of around 30 visits a week. And we have, we have more than 80 people in our congregation who are 80 or older. And a lot of them are very lonely. And uh, especially if they don't have family around and they're in a nursing home or something. So I have opportunity there. I do some of this for Donwood as well. Uh, I do uh, what I call a life review with people as they're getting older and getting ready to go home. And uh, had the privilege of being there for actually passing. Very sacred time. And I just thank you for some, a bunch of you have been praying for me. I know that because I've shared sometimes in the men's breakfast and sometimes other places. And uh, we also have a, a, well, we call it a Bible study group. Uh, we've called it all kinds of things here. But uh, that's been going longer than MacIver has been going. And we meet in different homes. And we study God's Word. And... I'm glad that somebody else is taking the uh, Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. We're just about at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in our series now. And uh, we appreciate your prayers so as we do the visitation on your behalf. And uh, may that God's will be done and His kingdom come in our lives. Thank you. That's actually a great connection to Pastor Kim's uh, ministry. And she is not here today. She's on vacation. Uh, but she's continuing with a great ministry to do with caregiving here in our church, and those needs are high, as Jake mentioned, uh, but it is a holy calling. There are holy moments and opportunities of interacting with these people, and so if anyone says, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I, I think God could use me. I think I could show up and, and see how God might work. Please speak with Pastor Kim or Jake or someone on the caregiver's team. We have more opportunity for people to be involved in this kind of ministry. Forgive me if I cry. Just understand that it comes from a heart full of gratitude towards God. A little over, well, around 18 months ago, Denver came to me and asked if I could join council. And the very thought of that 
paralyzed me with fear. We had a congregational meeting, and I sat down next to Jake Schmidt, knowing that he was on council one, one time ago. And I mentioned this, and I asked him about council, and I don't think I actually articulated this, but I was paralyzed with fear. And Jake, very firmly, he wasn't angry, but he was very firm with me, and he said, fear is not from God. That was the beginning of learning how the enemy works. He's got two very powerful tools that he uses, and it's fear and deception. But what I've also learned is that when you are paralyzed with fear, focus on the love of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a spirit of power Humility. Self-control. And self-control. Thank you. So that is what I did over the next number of months as I focused on the love of God. And I discovered that Jesus Christ has destroyed the power of Satan. And he has no authority over me. And as a result of that, the next time I was called and asked to sit on council, I was able to fairly quickly say, yes, I will serve. I am no longer afraid because we have a wonderful God who is very powerful and who loves us and cares for us. Amen. Thank you, Garvin. Good morning. My name is Charlene Epp. Um, for those that have walked the journey of cancer before and those that are in the journey of cancer, um, there's some real treasures and jewels in the midst of that, and a big part of that jewel and treasure is a church family. And I want to acknowledge and say that the gift of friendship within a church family, those that have provided meals for us, for those that have prayed for us, for those that have sent words of encouragement, those that have sent emails to us in this journey, has been absolutely astounding and amazing, and an affirmation that this is family. And it's a really important part of all of our growth. And I'm just so grateful for um, the care that we've been given and the visits and the prayers and that. And I get some weekly calls from people asking if I should remain on their prayer list because they're Actually, a friend actually says she's tired of praying for this. I'm wondering if she can take a break for a bit. So I just love the humor and the joy and, and the prayers and the gift of friendship that have been shared um, as we've journeyed through this uh, for the last few months. So thank you for family, and it's a pretty wonderful thing to know that you've got people backing you up all along with a greater power. So grateful for that. One more in the back. Hi, my name is Karen. And uh, we've talked a lot about the formal committees and formal, uh, sort of more formal groups in our church. And I'm going to talk about the informal or the underground of Mackay River Church. Uh, I have been so very humbled and blessed this past year. Um, there are, when you go through hard times as a, as a family, 
it's not easy. And God, through the Holy Spirit, has touched people in the Kyber that have not been my friends. <laughs> they are people that I've come to know and we've come to know as spiritual mentors and spiritual supporters in ways that, like, I didn't even know that. I didn't know them. And we didn't know them. And they just listened to the Holy Spirit and just came alongside of us and and touching us and um, touching all of us. And it is it is just beyond words uh, to talk, to see, and to feel God's presence in MacIver and in in touching our lives, and and I'm so reminded of in Luke. I just read it in Luke, and it said, a, "A good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart," and that's exactly. So we have new friends. People we didn't even know before, and new friends um, from from MacIver. So, my gratitude. That's great, and I think we can think of that as God's work here—that God is producing these good things out of the heart of this church, and it's a treasure. Uh, so that actually is a transition to what we're going to talk about next. I'm going to invite up Phil from our finance committee, but I would like to encourage you to consider the connection here, that this is not really a hard turn now, from sharing stories of how God is at work to an update from our finance committee. These conversations are very much connected. So, uh, as we hear this, let's continue to stay in this mode of thinking of God at work and thinking of what is being invited of our hearts and the treasure that God is wanting to, to stir here in our church and the good things that God is wanting to bring out of that. We'll hear from Phil. Good morning. I'm Phil Poles, chair of the uh, Finance Committee here at McIver. You will have received the annual financial report earlier. I think two weeks ago it was circulated. I'm just providing some highlights and commentary, so subject to any questions or, questions or comments you may have. For 2019, MacIver received total receipts of $547,686 versus uh, budgeted receipts of $539,150, which is 8,500 more than uh, planned. However, 54,375 of that was earmarked for the roof repair project, which was initiated by the church midway through the 2019 year leaving $493,311 for general operations. <clears throat> Actual expenses for general operations were $499,952 um, versus our budget of $522,440, so under budget by roughly $22,500. Uh, so we ended the, the uh, 2019 year with an operating deficit of dollars versus a budgeted surplus of $16,711. So the word uh, deficit probably caught your ear, um, but I should note that uh, we currently have over $170,000 in our bank account, so this relatively modest uh, deficit is not a concern at the moment, uh, especially in light of our significant receipts in 2019. Um, However, and it also can be explained away by the roof repair project that... um, would have diverted some some funds. The primary driver for 
for operating under budget in 2019 was the building-related costs being materially under budget. We're still working through a, the transition to the, uh, with our new accounting system, or newer accounting system. Uh, all funds are accounted for, but not all expenses are being charged to the correct um, lines. Uh, for example, if you have your reports with you, uh, line 431025 for supplies in the middle of page four under the worship committee, which is probably the wrong place for it as well, uh, is a combination of office supplies and building maintenance supplies. So we have some work to do yet to fix some of those lines up, but um, again, it is all accounted for. The proposed 2020 budget does not contain anything, I guess I'd call it particularly remarkable. Uh, it presumes essentially a steady state of staffing, programming, support of outside agencies and ministries, and operating costs. There is a one-time as well as a permanent increase in the receipts we're expecting from Razorback uh, in 2020. Um, basically, what happens there is uh, Razorback has, has grown their program. Uh, it, it grew in September of uh, 2019, and because of our, our rental arrangement, is essentially a, um, a fixed fee per child per day, uh, we will receive sort of more income going forward. So that's been, a, been a, I think, a success story, not just financially, but also uh, as a service to the community. Uh, what the budget calls for is those parking with, with uh, MacGyver to provide total support of $503,000, which uh, should all other assumptions and expectations in the proposed budget prove to be accurate, will result in a surplus of $16,405 for the future. Uh, finally, I also want to highlight that the budget is for general operations only. MacGyver still wants to complete the roof repair project, uh, which we started in 2019, and we need approximately $30,000 to complete that, in addition to what's already been, uh, been collected for that fund. So as you're making your donations decisions, I would ask you to consider both the 2020 general budget, which calls for about half a million dollars, as well as the roughly $30,000 we need to complete the roof repair project. Um, I think at one point we were going to start that in February. It's now been delayed till April or May. Uh, again, pending receipt of sufficient funds. So, um, so are there any questions or comments um, on the, the 2019 report or the 2020 budget? Mr. Chair, I will then uh, make a motion to uh, move acceptance of the 2019 financial report as well as the 2020 budget as, uh, as presented. Thank you, Phil. So Phil has moved acceptance and approval of the minutes of the report and the budget. Do we have a seconder? Jake Schmidt has seconded. So now we have a discussion time. Phil asked if you had any questions, but we have some more time to, if there's anything that uh, you want to ask a question about or discuss before we call for the vote. Hi. Um, I really appreciate all the work that's gone into this, and I understand that as a uh, past moderator, that these, um, these are difficult decisions to make. Uh, my one question and my, um, I guess, concern is uh, the $2,000 line 
for uh, children. Let me just find which slide. I, I wasn't kind of expecting that we were going to do this here, so I'm a little bit taken off. Uh, Phil, which is the line, $2,000 line for um, Sunday school and children? Oh, sorry. Are you asking the 2019 or the 2020? Well, I think it follows both, like it goes through both. Okay. So, again, this is part of that accounting issue where not all charges are going to the right line. So, the the fact that there is, were no actual, sorry, while the report shows no actual expenses in 2019, there were actual expenses in 2019. Okay. They just found their way into other lines. Okay. So that's a purely accounting issue. Okay. And then we have the $2,000 going forward. Okay. Yeah, that was a concern that, and just a comment that um, we as a church need to remember our youth. Uh, our youth are, uh, I mean, we've gone through, we go through cycles as a church, but uh, as you can see, um, our youth, our children, are are, are not uh, that large numbers right now, and that is the future of our church. And so I would really encourage us as a congregation to think about our children, uh, financially pour money into our children. Uh, I think $2,000, and you now have said that that was spent. You know, that's not reflected on here, but you said that that money had been spent. Um, I would encourage us to increase that number, uh, to really look at putting our money, our financial resources, towards the children that are here so that we can continue for the children that are not here and will be yet to come. So uh, children are our future, and uh, I would just encourage us as a church to do that. Yeah, and I would just add, I mean, <clears throat> to really support what you're saying, um, we received input from Stefan in terms of family ministries uh, for what he would like to see um, uh, budget-wise for family ministries. And so that's where that, the data comes from of what, what he's requested for, what he's planning. So if it's needed for more funds, obviously we can ask and the church can bless that. I can speak a little bit to that as well. Uh, I know I did spend over that $2,000, uh, and that is earmarked specifically just for Sunday children's ministry and not just all kids' ministry, not all family ministries. Uh, we moved some of the funds from our background checks, which have been streamlined, and a lot of them are now free to go through since we're a registered volunteer organization, both with the police and with um, uh, Child Abuse Registry Check, Manitoba. Um, so we went to $3,000 already, and I'm looking to increase that as well. But the way we've been rewording and reorganizing our, our, our naming of those things has been shifting, but uh, I assure you I continue to spend... Uh, sums of money in that area and enjoy doing so I, I, because I agree with you, Karen. Uh, I think we can, we can be pouring things in today. But thank you for pointing that out. I think it's very important. Yeah, Council noted that as well and asked Stefan about it. And uh, it appears that some of the expense went into books and materials, which ended up, ended up on the books and materials line instead of in the education and the Sunday school line. Very Good concern, Karen. Thank you for that question. Any other questions with regard to the finance report and the budget? We have a motion and a seconder. We're ready for the vote. All in favor, raise your hands. Opposed? No opposition. So 
Thank you very much. The motion has, the report has been approved. And I would also like to thank Virginia Giesbrecht for taking minutes. She faithfully shows up at every council meeting as a volunteer, takes minutes, including today's meeting. So thank you, Virginia. So I guess carrying on with that theme of finance, I will ask the worship team to come forward, as well as the ushers, and we will take this morning's offering. Genesis 50, verses 22 to 26, and found on page 43 in your Pew Bible. Genesis 50, verses 22 to 26, found on page 43. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Joseph lived to the age of 110. He lived to see three generations of descendants of his son Ephraim, and he lived to see the birth of the children of Manasseh, son Machir, whom he claimed as his own. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath, and he said, When God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. 
The Egyptians embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. The word of the Lord. So we've been in this series on forgiveness for two weeks now, and it feels like in just this short amount of time, this has been quite a deep dive. This is a very deep subject. It gets right to the core of who we are, the crux of our world. We started by examining the fear of forgiveness as a cost that all of us need to pay. Last week, we talked about the fear of forgiveness as a journey that all of us need to pursue. And today, we look at the future of forgiveness, how forgiveness prepares us for and actually partners with the future that God is bringing. I hope you're already turned to our scripture passage this morning, which is Genesis chapter 50, verses 22 to 26. Does anyone know the number in the Pew Bible? 43? 43. Let's all get that open in front of us. So, aside from it being a very low number in the Pew Bible, what is unique about this passage? What is it that makes this passage especially unique? It is the very end of Joseph's story, but it's also the epilogue of the whole book of Genesis. We could say it serves as the end of the book of beginning. The end of the book of beginning. I believe that as we read the story of Genesis and the story of Joseph through this central theme of forgiveness, like we've been doing, this epilogue continues to teach us about what forgiveness looks like. Let's take a look at the future that is opened up in Joseph's life. Verse 22 says, So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Everyone say this together with me. Continued to live. Continued to live. They continued to live. This continuing to live is itself a miracle when you look back on the full story of Joseph. Especially when we remember all of the backstory that at one point Joseph had been left in a well to die. And even just a few verses ago, in Genesis 50, the brothers were fearing for their very lives. And the story doesn't just end with only one side persevering, but both sides of the conflict Joseph and his brothers continued to live. That is amazing. That is a great end to a story. These combatant kin seem to be on a crash course for so long, but the vengeful conclusion was curbed because of forgiveness. And because they entered into forgiveness, what blessing flowed in their future. Joseph himself lived to the age of, how old was he? 110 years old. What would have been a marvel in that day, and it still kind of is, even with our medical advances. He lived long enough to see three generations of descendants. And this same principle is true in our lives. God is ready to pour out powerful blessings into our lives. But blessings and curses 
flow through our choice to forgive. When we choose to forgive, we channel the blessings of God in our world. But when we choose resentment or revenge, we damn the blessings of God. So let God's forgiveness flow in and through your life and get on with that today before your bones are laid in the ground. Our lives are only temporary and we only have so much time. Don't let this number of 110 fool you. Even if you can dream of 110 years that you might be afforded, there is still another phrase here in this passage that's worth our reflection. We read it in verse 24. Again, everyone repeat after me. Soon I will die. Soon I will die. How about that? Maybe that is a phrase worth reflecting on for a little bit. Joseph, we see him having a vision beyond just himself. He looked to the promises of God that were so much bigger than his own life but were also for his family, for generations to come, for the whole people of God, and for all of creation. We can see how the choice to forgive was tied in, not just to Joseph's individual life, but to a much larger story. Our passage mentions these three generations after Joseph, and this presents a parallel to the three generations that had preceded him. You can flip back and read through this story of generations prior, of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, and you will see a family cycle of blessing. But you can't miss that this is also a family cycle characterized by curses. There is deceit and distrust that is never appropriately dealt with, and it ends up being passed on. And so we see that the story of brokenness between Joseph and his brothers is not just their own. It's actually a snowball effect that has rolled down long before them. Something they have inherited. During this series, we encouraged you to read Genesis chapters 30 to 50. Some of you, I think, did that. But why start there when Joseph's story doesn't really enter until chapter 37, seven chapters later. Because the story we're living in began before we were born. Before any of us came to be, there was a much bigger story that had already built up. Especially when it comes to our families, it's very important that we do the work of understanding the story that precedes our lives. And like it or not, each of us steps into a crowded story with consequences carried forward from the preceding cast members. So for those of us who have done some work in that way, exploring our family history, our lineage, uh, maybe a genogram is a helpful tool to explore that. That's pretty bad, hey? But here's where it gets worse. That story is going to continue through you. That story of generations is continuing through your life. 
So you actually have responsibility in all this too. We're often hardly aware that this is going on, but the truth is that we keep on living out what has been lived into us. We keep living out what has been lived into us. We repeat whatever we don't repair. Or as Richard Rohr writes, pain that is not transformed is transmitted. It keeps on going. The cycle continues. We ought to notice this when we read the book of Genesis. This book talks about God's promises for all of creation, for all God's people, and for all nations. But it also zooms in on one specific family and the stories of individuals within it. As if to say that these are not different and disconnected conversations. God's promises are not just soaring and grand up in the stratosphere, but they touch down. They intersect with specific families and specific people and specific situations. What this means is that our lives matter. Our lives matter deeply. Our choices matter deeply. Our lives are connected. They're connected to each other. They're connected to the earth. They're connected to the story of God. Your life is not insulated or isolated from all of this. Your choices have real impacts, real consequences that play out in our connected world. It's happening all the time. So then we need to ask ourselves, what is the bigger story that my life is contributing to? I know that in our experience, life often feels like a mixed bag, and it is. But in the Old Testament, we are presented with options set in sharp contrast. Pick one. This is perhaps most clear in Deuteronomy chapter 30, where we hear these words, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So then, we have to know, what exactly is this choice at the crux of life and death? What is this choice at the crossroads of blessings and curses? I think what Genesis is trying to tell us is that that choice is rooted in forgiveness. Forgiveness is at the center of those two roads. We have seen this in the story of Joseph, how his choice to forgive turned the page in this stale and stuck story. But Joseph's life was only a foreshadowing to the future that God had prepared, to the one who would truly turn the page in God's story. Jesus was sent into the world to teach people about this turning point of forgiveness. He recognized that there was no end, or maybe an assured and tragic end, to all of our escalating cycle of revenge, 
And so he taught his followers this entirely unique and countercultural way to live out justice and mercy. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. He wanted them to know that the kingdom of heaven could actually be lived out in their choices of forgiveness. That these daily menial things, that the kingdom of heaven was actually playing out through these choices. He gathered a new community around him in this way. And he called them to the ministry of reconciliation. He taught them that not only could this kingdom of heaven be lived out in their choices of forgiveness, but get this, that their choices of forgiveness actually impacted the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that Jesus taught his followers this? Did you know that that is the power of our choices? We read this in Matthew 18. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid or bind or lock on earth will be forbidden, bound, and locked in heaven. And whatever you permit loose or open on earth will be permitted, loose, or opened in heaven. He wanted his followers to know that the flow of forgiveness between each of them and God and each of them and their neighbor were entirely connected. These are not separate matters. All connected. The kind of forgiveness that comes from God is not just about calculating out the transactions and totals of individual debts. Okay, let me get out my abacus here. I gotta make a calculation. 70 times 7, what is that? No. What Jesus was bringing was a whole economy of forgiveness flowing in the world. But Jesus also knew that mere concepts and commandments would not be enough. So more than just tell them, Jesus showed them what forgiveness looks like. The world sent its very worst against Jesus and incurred the greatest debt that could ever be withdrawn. We stole away the life of the very one who created life. Think about that. What an incalculable debt to steal away the life of the one who created life. That is what we did to Jesus. If ever there was a compounded debt, this was it. Jesus was the ultimate pure and blameless victim. He had done nothing wrong. But then what does he do in response? Jesus did not use his hands to grab for his rights 
and grab for revenge. And Jesus did not use his hands to guard and protect himself. Instead, Jesus spread his hands wide to give. That is the choice that Jesus made to forgive. And as he spreads his arms wide on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. This is the heart of God. This is the way of Jesus. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. To live like Jesus. That the heart of God would flow into and through you. Channeling forgiveness into the world. As we do this, God's future opens up. Our story is able to continue. But as we refuse this, our future closes up. If we continue with our own logic of resentment and revenge, what we often like to call justice, we continue the cycle of cursedness, the cycle of violence, and the cycle of death. Do you believe that these cycles are at work in our world today? Have you seen them when you turn on the news? Have you seen them when we interact with our neighbors here in our city? Have you seen them in your own home or here in our church? These cycles are powerful. They're at work. They're opposed to the kingdom of God. They're entirely real. Set on taking us over. Set on this determined end. But as you see them, do you believe that Jesus' way is the only way? It's the only course for the human project to have a future. The French anthropologist René Girard, he reflects that today we are constantly under the threat of our own violence. Speaking about this cycle of revenge. Even if it used to be possible to regard the Sermon on the Mount as somehow unrealistic, this is no longer an option. Faced with our own ever-growing powers of destruction, naivete has changed sides. All human beings now have the same vital interest in preserving peace. In a truly global world, the renunciation of violent reprisal is bound to become, in a more and more obvious way, the indispensable condition of our survival. Forgiveness is the indispensable condition of our survival. Do you believe that's true? And do you believe that Jesus has taught us and showed us the way? Jesus is the only way for us. Even while we recognize that soon we will die, we take hold of each day, each day we are afforded to say yes to the healing work of God, that God's promises would continue to live during and far beyond our lives. So MacIver Church, I want to call you and I want to invite you to respond to this. This is, this is crucial. This is at 
the crossroads of that path of life and death, of blessing and cursing. And as we said, God's promises are not just up in the stratosphere. They're down here playing out in our choices, in our relationships. And so MacIver Church, we have work to do here. This is tied into our future. Will we choose to forgive? Will we step into God's work at the cross that is beyond our own strength, that is beyond our own choice? We just receive this work of forgiveness that can change the state of our lives, can change the state of our relationships, and actually opens up a new future that does not have to continue where we have been. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, if you're going to present your gift as an offering and you realize on the way that there's, there's some conflict between you and a neighbor, a brother or sister, you should put that aside and keep focusing on your offering, right? No. He says that is the priority. That is what needs to get dealt with. And so you need to postpone that. You need to go to your brother. You need to get right with your sister. And then come back to this religious stuff. It's very important that this is all connected in our lives. And so today we are responding to this invitation of forgiveness and stepping into the future that God has for us. As we come to the table and participate in communion, I want to challenge you on this. I'm going to say you don't have to get across the aisle right now and have this heart to heart. But if there is someone who is present here or, or is not present and is part of our church, we need to move towards each other in the way of forgiveness. This, our future is entirely dependent upon it. And so today, if you partake in communion, you are saying yes to that. You are saying yes to going down that road, that journey, paying that cost, following after Jesus in the way of forgiveness. And today, making choices to do that. I'm going to invite those who are serving communion and the team to come up. Each month we partake in communion. We, we proclaim what this meal is really all about. And so there will be words appearing up on the screen and together we can declare what we are doing here today and what God is doing here today. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Remain in me and I will remain in you. At communion, we recognize that our life, our breath, and our being are completely rooted in our relationship with Jesus. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. At communion, we express the word of the Father, confident that He is the end of on. At communion, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, 
he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. At the Lord's Supper, we believe that Jesus died once for all sin. Death is paid, our sins are forgiven. At the Lord's Supper, we join across generations as those who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As we share one loaf and one cup, we are reminded that there is one body and one spirit, one God and Father of all. There is one hope, one faith, and one baptism that is given freely to all. At the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. At the table, we accept the invitation of Jesus to eat with him. At the table, we share our hospitality with those who are still hungry and thirsty, remembering the longing of God's heart that none should perish. At the table, we with thanks. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come and take the free gift of the water of life. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. So now as the elements come to you, the bread is gluten-free. Everyone should be able to partake. But I would encourage us to consider what we are being called to, what choices we are being called to this week in our real relationships, and to speak that as a blessing to those who you would serve this morning, that your sins are forgiven, that God's grace is greater than our brokenness. Let's continue to channel that as a church family.
May the God of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude toward each other, similar to Christ's attitude. That way you can glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ together with one voice. So welcome each other in the same way that Christ has welcomed you for God's glory. Let us pray now both in closing and as a blessing for the meal. When you receive the food in the gym, you can begin to eat right away. Please bow with me. We thank you, God, for giving us a community of faith, for blessing us with much, and for bestowing your Spirit upon each of us. We thank you for the bread that we have broken in your name and the bread that we will now break together. Bless our conversations around this table and continue to guide us in your ways. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ.